The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome back to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I'm Eric Deutsch. And I'm Molly Balin. And joining us one last time this week from Michael Myers Minute, Robert Black. But I am about to escape. That's true. <laughs> I don't know if we'll be able to, to build a wall tall enough to hold you. That's true. No. <laughs> I just podcast over it. <laughs> <laughs> We're in minute 60, and at the beginning of the minute, Brain's still trying to small talk his way inside the train. And at the end, Snake finally meets the president one hour into this movie. So Brain's still not good at what he's trying to do, and (laughs) he gets so much worse because this comes across to me as so condescending. He says to the guy, have you had any political discussions with the president? <laughs> and it's just such an asshole comment because you, you know he had. It. Just, you know, you just feel like he's like, you know, oh, so Mr. Big Stuff here with the president. You know, have you been, you know, chatting about what's going on? And it's just it's just it's such a he's trying to small talk his way into it. And he's just colossally failing. Mm. And, and that guy is not he doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking to us just like uh brain was from specific orders brain was for me not to let no one in go inside and he's like he's not having political discussions with anybody i love this guy i think there's a trope here that we're seeing of somebody trying to run you know a scam and and to try and convince somebody to to let them in and we've seen this a million times but i think this guy is like the best version of it i've ever seen like <laughs> i love he's just isn't buying any of this shit he's like sorry bro you're just gonna have to wait outside Rain here. is so bad at it oh god it's true <laughs> it's like what are your specific orders by the way why would he tell you <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he does, but why would he? Yeah, and he's just he's just nonchalant. He's just like, my specific orders, brain, are no one gets inside that train. <laughs> and it's just, it's just, he's tired and bored, and he's talking a brain. <laughs> and I love we just get this sense that he's just habitually annoying, because you've got the behavior from this, you know, I don't know, the squad leader outside. And then when it segues to being inside of the actual train and the other guy being like, oh, my God, fucking brain. It's just like <laughs> sitting around like a dog all the time. And so now as an audience member, you're like, oh, God, he just pisses people off constantly. How many other operations has this guy been in and around and he's been asking more information than he's really entitled to and just busting people's balls for no good reason. Maybe this isn't actually unusual, him coming and trying to make really bad small talk. Maybe he does it all the time. He's just in there every day annoying people. (laughs) Well, that's what I'm wondering. Uh, Maybe he just has a habit of doing this, that he just doesn't get along with these guys and they've just had to learn to deal with him because he supplies gas. So he's kind of that guy who sits at the lunch like picnic table. You know, you're like, oh, it's like Bob from accounting again. Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's this guy. And that's kind of who Brain is. So we do move inside the train. And yeah, there's the complaining about Brain. And like, ah, right, we get the gas. And then Snake very surreptitiously takes one guy out with a classic movie cliche move. Just grab the head, 
quick twist, boom, and the guy's dead, or at the very least knocked out. And so this other guy is sitting with the president, and I never noticed in all the times I've seen this movie until I studied this minute that the guy was trying to saw off the handcuff that attaches mm-hmm. the president to the to briefcase. I never noticed that that was going on. Oh! Yep. Yeah, he's filing in the chain. I totally didn't get that. I always thought he was cleaning up a bike chain. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what, you know, when, uh, sure. Oh, sense. my God. That makes so much more sense. <laughs> I, do like, like, I just thought he was, you know, he's just hanging out. He's got to watch this guy. And he's like, well, you know, he's going to he's got a bike project. I mean, maybe this is just a functional living in Portland or something. But I'm like, <laughs> you know, he's got a bike. He's got to clean it up. You know, he's got to take care of it. And he's like, well, I might as well just do this here. It's like the equivalent of like knitting in a meeting. You know, I didn't realize he had a he was actually working on something fruitful. Why aren't there more people on bikes in this dystopian prison city? <laughs> I don't think we see one bike in this movie, do we? Maybe they're too easy to steal. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, they keep them on a roof or something. I don't know. They're inside one of the derelict cars. You just stash them in there. All the bikers <laughs> are at the other end of Manhattan. Right. Yeah. They're all on 7th. Who knows? Are they in Central Park? Oh, yeah. Totally. I mean, bicycle, bicycles are so ubiquitous these days in the city that, I mean, I you know, they weren't in 1980 when this movie was made. It's it's more something that's come up big in the last 10, 15 years. But it is strange that, yeah, it's all cars, which would have a finite amount of, you know, all right, you know, brain is making gas. And we've talked about maybe there are other people making gas. And, and we know that um, they've converted some engines to steam. But still, it's not an infinite resource. There really should be people riding bicycles all over the city. There are at least bike messengers. <laughs> right. each, gang, each gang can communicate with the next. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, and I don't know if this is a realistic question, but I'm wondering, Eric, if, if you have a sense of this. If you had no traffic and just presume that you have an unobstructed thoroughfare from one tip of Manhattan to the other, the longest side... How long would it take you to drive from one end to one end? In a in a car. In a car. Not, not a bicycle. It wouldn't take long at all. It would take like a year or so if I'm coming in there. I mean, 15, 20 minutes. Right. So you're not talking about a very, you know, long, you know, a long piece of land, essentially. Yeah, 20 minutes, I'd say, probably. Okay. Yeah, yeah Manhattan Island's only 13 miles long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so really, I mean, having a bike would probably suit these guys better. And the Duke could have, like, one of those uh, rickshaw kind of bike things with someone else pedaling. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) We've asked a couple of guests, guests, Robert, if you were the Duke, what would would be your mode of transportation? What would your vehicle look like? I kind of like that now that I think about it. Um, (laughs) Or something with legs. Because I think that would just stand out next to all these other people who have cars. You mean like an elephant or something? <laughs> if, if, <laughs> if there's one available, yeah. It, where's the, the zoos in Central Park, right? Yes. I assume they move the animals when they turn I, into a Boy, park. I hope so. Otherwise, they were eaten within a week. Oh, yeah. Or, or yeah. It, it, otherwise, yeah, you, ha- you ride an elephant around, you have a pet tiger. Like that dude in Walking Dead. You know? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> right. 
or the monkeys have like taken over like half of Manhattan. <laughs> you just don't see that part. They just own that shit. <laughs> oh, there's a mesh. A Planet of the Apes with Escape from New York. Oh, there you go. <laughs> they land in this New York and are like, wait, what happened? <laughs> New York was always bad. <laughs> so the guy sawing the handcuffs is he's sitting there with the president. And I know he's a prisoner and he's probably like, you know, ah, fuck the president. But just talking with no respect whatsoever. He's like, what are you looking at? <laughs> I just found it very humorous that he's talking to the president like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And then uh, we have, uh, I, I mean, I love this moment. This is incredible. So this guy's got a crossbow. Mm-hmm. And so he sees Snake, shoots the crossbow at him, gets Snake. But then Snake throws a throwing star at him. Yeah. And hits him in the head with it. And the transition's amazing. Oh, it's a great edit. <laughs> it's a beautiful edit. <laughs> yeah, I cut to star is already in his head. There's already blood on his face. But we don't care. We just saw him literally throw something. So you cut to it already there and him putting his head up. It, it, it works. This is such a great movie death. This, the, mm-hmm. the, the, guy, the guy gets such a great facial expression. He takes four whole seconds to fall. He just yeah. stands there frozen for four seconds before he actually finally falls. And then he falls in front of the camera, too. Right, the and he falls in front angle. of the camera. It's such, it's such a good movie death. But <laughs> here's my problem with it. Snake is so strong that he can chuck a throwing star about three feet away into a guy's forehead, and it kills him immediately. <laughs> This guy lives in Manhattan prison. You think his diet is pretty good? His arms are probably very frail. Wow. His skull is weak. <laughs> Should have been taking a multivitamin. <laughs> and they could have stuck it in an eye if you want. I used to eat that made my bones strong. I need my, I need my yogurt. Oh, God. <laughs> they don't have any calcium. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a little. It's difficult. I mean, it's it's definitely a, a sweet Chuck Norris move, but that's hard to, it's hard to believe that you know, with whatever three four feet away, that he can throw a, th- a throwing star and just like immediately like, I mean, the aim alone is amazing. You know, to to be shot and have the level of reactivity. I mean, that is a well trained gent right there. Well, they maybe they gave him throwing stars because they knew he could use them. <laughs> they put stuff on that table knowing it was Snake Plissken they're sending in. So they're mm-hmm. like, we know what he can do with these. We'll leave those out there. Well, there's being able to use them, and then there's being as strong as the Hulk and being and, and killing a guy in three seconds by throwing one. Have you thrown it. one at someone's head and had it bounce off? <laughs> maybe this is actually. Really I, I'm, not, I'm not even disputing the sticking in the forehead. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it would, but it had to have punctured the skull. And pierced the brain and killed him instantaneously. It, the, the guy's not even going, oh, ah, ooh. Well, the script does say it lodges right in his brain. Yeah. But it is, what I like about this also, aside from his death, is that he does manage to shoot first. Mm-hmm. Snake That's, is slower than him. That is true. Snake get, gets, gets hit. He's nailed in the leg with the crossbow. And because he is Snake Plissken and he is awesome, he does not flinch and he does not pull it out either. He doesn't have time for that. No. I ain't got time to flinch. <laughs> to pull a, a tweak a, tw- a quote from our friends at Predator Minute. Uh, previous <laughs> One of the things I always respected about this movie is that they injured their, their anti-protagonist. And it's something as a, as a hero that you don't really see very often. And I, I respected that about this, especially an action movie. 
but they really injure him and he's injured for the rest of the movie. Right. He's like the rest of the movie. Yep. Yeah. And I always like that about this. Well, it's also, it's a great setup considering there's a time frame. He has a countdown. So injuring mm-hmm. him means everything that happens now is in your head. You're thinking it's going to take him longer to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's already unrealistic that he gets to the top of the World Trade Center and back again and makes it across the bridge. But it's even worse when you know he's limping. And he's got to go up to all those stairs after getting this crossbow bolt. It's it's He's impressive. Yeah. But like he said earlier in the movie, when he told Hauk he's not sure how he's going to take off, he'll figure it out. He just he's he's living minute to minute. And right now he can't worry about climbing back up those stairs at the World Trade Center. Right now, he's got to get the president off that train. He'll figure it out when he gets back to the World Trade Center later. He just his brain just cannot has to compartmentalize that. And he just he can't worry about it right now. Well, as I say, the use of the crossbow, uh, John Carpenter specifically wanted the prisoners to be using primitive weapons, um, and he said that the only prisoner he wanted carrying anything more than a crossbow or a spear or something like that was the Duke, mm-hmm. and saying it's sort of like a medieval film just set in the future. Yeah, and this crossbow's cool, too, because it's yeah, it is. metal pipes and stuff. Well, it's smart because it's it's quiet, too, and so that... That's just very intelligent scene building that he doesn't have a revolver because it's plausible that someone could have left a gun behind and someone's fashioned bullets, you know. Well, then you also have to keep making bullets. It's true. Reuse these. Yeah. 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 Like Daryl of the Walking Dead. Another mm -hmm. once again, like Walking Dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a smart move. And uh, our, our dearly departed friend, one thing that we didn't mention yet is so let's talk about let's talk accessories again (laughs) (laughs) he's got something around his neck uh, metal rings on a necklace i I don't know what really large washers it looks like they're like three four inches across and and it's a bunch of them okay (laughs) i don't know what purpose they would serve other than wind chimes around your neck if it's easily removable it's a handy weapon in a in a Mm. pinch and just take it off and swing it at people but it's yeah. kind of heavy to wear as a necklace. Yeah. And clunky. Yeah. I don't know. I think the ladies call it a power necklace, though, because I can totally see. It's actually kind of an attractive piece of jewelry, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Just polish those up a little bit. It's nice. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a nice business casual look. Well, you, you know, know Molly, there's, there's, the, there's the company that has the replica wrist countdown clock right <laughs> yeah Why don't, you can you can do like an officially sanctioned crossbow guy necklace and, <laughs> no. and the hubcap necklace <laughs> yeah maybe they're i was thinking maybe they're rank insignia like you wear a hubcap you're like a lieutenant <laughs> you wear the a bunch of washers around your neck you're a little higher up or you're, oh, no, yeah. i guess he's lower because he has to stay guard directly and file the chain and he's got to do the hard labor well, but he's, you know, the less, the last line of defense, so there's there's something to that. Yeah. Gotta give a trust, gotta, gotta be a trusted person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It actually, it actually took me a little while to notice that he's has the crossbow there the whole time, because when he picked it up, I'm like, where'd that come from? And then I went back. He, it's laying in his lap when he's filing the chain, but you can barely see it. Mm. But he's got it right there. So, he's dead, and Snake's <laughs> wounded, <laughs> and- our our main hero and our main MacGuffin finally come face to face, and in keeping with the way John Carpenter wanted to portray President in this movie and and his 
feelings towards authority. The president cannot stop shaking, and he's too loud. He's just he's doing everything wrong right now that someone who is the president of the United States and you know and should be calm and collected and he, he's just the complete opposite of what should of the way he should be acting right now it's brilliant it's just another dig where snake's like you gotta stop shaking and he's like i can't, I can't. <laughs> yeah it's so brilliant that you know we've we've seen him you know really just only for the most part on air force one and then to see that again you know, like this, I mean, this is so not like Harrison Ford from Air Force One <laughs> in terms of, you know, representing a president in a terrorist threat situation. And he's just such a wuss. And I know this is like totally on a side note, not related to him shaking, but I know that he's his hand is banished, but it kind of looks like he's holding a burrito as well. And so that has kind of like a weird overtone to me, too. <laughs> I do like, though, that when he tells him to move fast, he's like, you're goddamn right, I'll move fast. Like, he, he gets, up, he pushes himself up, even though his hand's injured, he just gets right up. So he's, he's trying. Yeah. Once yeah. he's untied, at least. And then he gets admonished again for being loud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quiet. Like, why is he like, oh, you're goddamn right, I'm a pass. It's like, dude, shut up. I'm just... <laughs> his next line is going to be, okay, oh, I can be quiet. I can definitely not <laughs> stop talking right away. <laughs> It becomes a, a weird buddy comedy. <laughs> the snake and the president. <laughs> so let me finish the cliffhanger I left in yesterday's minute about the difference in the setup of this location here. Uh, if you recall, uh, I left it that the car was stuck in a very narrow lane in that giant maze of cars that had been put together. And so here's how they actually end up finding the president in the draft script. The car is stuck, so Snake has to crawl out of the window of the car. He drags Brain out behind him. He gets to a red Ford. He opens the door to the red Ford, goes through the door, and then enters a chamber made of a solid wall of car parts fused together. And the president is tied to a fender in the center of that chamber. I mean, it really is like a labyrinth with the Minotaur at the middle. Hmm. It's interesting that they've used cars, you know, in that scene. That was his original conception. Derelict cars and using parts of cars. You know, I think that that's a really, it's it's unfortunate. I mean, obviously this works great. You know, it's like, it's it's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But I really appreciate the imagery because I feel like that's, you know, a car kind of represents the American dream and freedom and the open road. And so I, I appreciate showing, you know, a car graveyard and, and them being derelict and, and having this sham of a president shackled to like a, a bumper in the center of this, I think would have been a really, uh, I think, poignant image to put in. A little dangerous, though, if he's breaking through the car wall and then it turns out the president's attached to one of those walls because it's like, oh, he came so close to just killing him. Yeah. Well, I think better him than the tape. <laughs> yeah. You don't want that tape to get injured in any way. No. (laughs) Well, gentlemen, do you have any other thoughts on this particular minute or from the minutes previous? Uh, I'm complete. No, not in this minute. Cool. Uh, One more time, Robert, can you tell everybody where to find you out in the interwebs? Uh, Lemmingdrops.com. You can find links to my various shows, past, present. I don't think I have links to the future ones yet. I do have Twitter for some future ones, but I won't, they're not linked there yet. Mm. Including Michael Myers Minute, which uh, I've done the first Halloween so far. 
whenever I get the chance, I want to go back and do Halloween 2 sometime next year, maybe. Cool. Cool, cool. Well, thank you for joining us this week. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And you can follow us on Twitter at NY Minute Pod. Also, we've got a sweet Facebook group, Brains Library, the Escape from New York Minute Hangout. I just want to give a little gratitude shout out to our pod fathers, Pete and Alex of Star Wars Minute. And they helped pioneer the Movies by Minutes format of which this podcast is based. And with that, be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall. Mm-hmm.